Greetings, humans. You have entered the Command Zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays, and very close to a very happy new year. 2019 is almost over, Josh. It's crazy. This one passed by faster than normal. Normally, it's like, oh, I can't believe it's already December. And this time, it's like, oh, my gosh, it's December. It's crazy. It's almost 2020. Uh, So we do this show every year or some version of it, Mm -hmm. which is the look back at the previous year. And we like to talk about the cards that came out, the things that happened, everything in the world of magic. Yeah. As usual, it's 12 months. It's a 12 month period and a lot has happened. (laughs) A lot. Yeah. And next year, I think is going to be even more. But I was surprised going through and making this list just how much changed this year. So this is our hindsight is 2019. (laughs) (laughs) It almost had the perfect (laughs) ring to it, but you're gonna have to wait 12 more months. So please stay subscribed. (laughs) to the channel if you haven't already but before we get into it well it's been a great year for magic and a great year for a lot of new cards of which we're going to talk about some of them today including our best picks for you know our favorites so if you want to pick up any of those cards now is your chance to finally do so before 2020 go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone They've got all your singles, sealed products, board games, card games, you name it. Card Kingdom has a lot in their catalog, and they ship really quickly, maybe just in time for that New Year's party as well. Who knows? They have a cube that you can buy that's ready-made. They have a draft set that they recently designed called Lumeria. Card Kingdom has a ton of different stuff, so definitely you're going to buy Magic Cards anyway. Just use that affiliate link when you do. You're helping us out and all of our content. And our other sponsor, which sponsors all of our content and really helps make it great, is Ultra Pro. They provide all the playmats, the deck boxes, the sleeves, everything you need to keep all your gaming pieces safe, in good condition, looking really, really awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ultra Pro makes the Eclipse sleeves, which are the best in the market. They make all the themed playmats and everything else. Definitely, if you want to spice up your battlefield, Ultra Pro, they make the best in the biz. Uh, it's been a whole year, and not a single card of mine has gotten dinged, thanks to Ultra Pro products. You know, I, I can say this. I have not had to re-sleeve an entire deck this year because mm. the sleeves like tore or got worn out. The Eclipse sleeves, I think we talked about a lot last year when yes. they first came out. I re-sleeved all my decks in the Eclipse sleeves. They're still all in those same Eclipse sleeves, which is pretty nuts. I've been using the same Eclipse sleeves to draft with for approximately two years now. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Two years, people. All right. <laughs> uh, and the final way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone. You get all kinds of really cool perks, uh, one of which is you get to watch our game nights episodes a day early before anybody out there in the general public gets to see it. Also, if you're at the correct tier level, you can uh, chat with Jimmy and I on our Discord server, which we're on each and every single day. Uh, Not just that, it's a vibrant community. Yeah. You can post a deck in there and you can get 20, 30 people all being like, I like this, I want this. Or, or you have know. you thought about this card? Yeah, which is awesome. Uh, and also, we shout out one lucky patron every single episode, and this episode is dedicated to Brian Sierakowski. Brian. You rock. That's a cool name. All right, so our main topic, the 2019 year in review, also says in parentheses here, come up with better title. <laughs> All right, moving on to, to the listeners. What do you think was a better title for this episode? We found that the year in review title doesn't tend to get a lot of clicks. So it'll pro- yeah. We'll probably have come up with something different than that on this episode. Absolutely. Uh, maybe like one of the mini topics. You know, if I asked Josh, like, hey, Josh, walk me through what happened last year, we'd probably just miss everything. There's so much that happened. It's, incre- it's, it's nuts. Yeah, it, 
when putting together this outline, Jimmy, you did the first pass. I sort of did a pass. And then I was like, I'm sure we're forgetting stuff. So we went to the whole team and I was like, hey, what happened in Magic this year? What cards do you like? And it's easy to forget a lot of the stuff, especially mm-hmm. stuff that happened in the first half of the year. You're like, wait, that was this year? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I so, guess let's just talk through it. Yeah. Let's start with the set releases. Uh, so in January, we had Ravnica Allegiance came out. It was some of the notable cards in there were the Shocklands, the second half of them. Mm-hmm. The first half had been in Guild of Ravnica. Correct. Uh, our preview card, Prime Speaker Vanifar, almost certainly the most powerful commander in that set, but not the most popular, which warms my heart, actually. Yeah, me too. I'm very glad. Um, Guardian Project, Wilderness Reclamation, Electro Dominance, and Smothering Tithe, also uh, in that set. See, that's really what's going to keep the trophy for me. This is That was it. Smothering Tithe. Can you believe that Smothering Tithe has only been in the commander format for not even a full year now? Because I feel like I see it all the time. That's true. I've I, seen it all the time. Yeah, it, pro, it like... It, like, got into the format uh, and got in every deck very quickly. Yeah, you know, Drake recently posted this amazing graph showing commanders over time and how they've spiked in popularity, yeah. and when the tracks it came out, went whoosh, right to the top. And Smothering Tithe, I think, has the same effect. Yeah, if they did that for cards in the 99, it would have yeah. just been... Smothering Tithe just would have come out of nowhere and been, like, boom, uh, in the top Dark squad horse. immediately, yeah. A uh, white horse, I guess, in this case. <laughs> uh, the next set that came out was in April. Oh, by the way, I, that was the uh, game that I came back for, right? After my break, I think. The, was that the first one? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It was with uh, DJ and Vinny. Yes. Okay, War of the Spark came out in April. And that one, the notable cards were Liliana, the new, the crazy new Planeswalker. Uh, the Finale Cycle, which I haven't really seen much of in Commander. The God Eternal Cycle, which we also got excited about, but also hasn't really made a huge splash. Narset Potter of Veils. Mm, unfortunately, has, has made a huge splash. <laughs> Uh, I see that card way too much. Yeah, Jace, Wielder of Mysteries, yep. another Lab Man, Niv Misery Born, and of course there was the awesome alternate art Japanese Planeswalkers that were all done by famous anime artists. You know, I have three booster boxes of that Japanese in my... Because my girlfriend happened to go to Japan on vacation right. without me during this time period, and she got me three boxes over there. Nice. I, I got two. I need to crack them open. It seems like... Do you? Yeah, it seems like... Sure, I guess you can't really draft it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know when I'm ever going to crack them open, but that's got to be what they're for, because you're right. It's a Japanese. I can't... We can't draft it. I mean, your girlfriend does have amazing luck opening boosters Maybe well. we should do an unboxing video. Yeah, we haven't done one of those... At least one of those. Three, four years? Yeah, a couple of years. If you'd yeah. like to see that, let us know. And of course, Planeswalkers, for the first time, at Uncommon in War of the Spark, so... Plenty of those. Quite a set. I really enjoyed the draft set for War of the Spark. I thought the uh, draft environment was fun, even though that wasn't an opinion necessarily shared by everybody Mm -hmm. out there, but I had a lot of fun with it. I thought sealed was bad, but draft was fun. Yeah, I agree. Um, The next set was Corset 2020. This had the ley line. You put ley line of the void on here, really? Well, I mean, they got... Anticipation! All right. (laughs) Void was the one that people were like, I can't put up my deck. You're right, you're right. It's an expensive card. Uh, (laughs) And there's no uh, four-mana artifact that does the exact same thing as it, right? Yeah, that's the point. Okay, Uh, fair enough. Leyline of the Void, uh, Chandra, Awakened Inferno, Yaruk, the Desecrated. Yeah. Uh, That was... That was a, a pretty good core set as far as for Commander, as yeah. far as in comparison to other core sets. That's a theme that we're going to see recur across the entirety of all the set releases, is that in every set, there's at least one or two cards where you're like, nice, that's great for Commander. Yeah, usually a lot more than that. Yeah. Uh, after that was Throne of Eldraine in September, which seems like yesterday, honestly. I can't believe it's also the last set of the year. But in that one, we have very notably Oko, Thief of Crowns, mm, yes. who went ahead and just got his butt banned everywhere. <laughs> we can still play him in Commander. Yes. Not as good. 
Um, Corvold, Fae Cursed King. And that one's pretty good. Yeah, especially when you see Reed Duke piloting it. Chulain, Teller of Tales, Alila, Arful Provocateur. Fabled Passage, finally yeah. a fetch land for basics. And the Great Henge slash Embercleave slash that whole cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, they released these special collector boosters and they had all those different art variants. Oh yeah, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but that was a... They're always experimenting. How about that? Yeah. And if you don't remember in the fall set for, I think it was, it wasn't cons, it was the year after that is when they introduced Expeditions for the first right. time. So the fall yeah. set seems like where Battle they're like, yeah, like, hey, let's try something new and big out and make a splash. Uh, there were some special sets last year or what do they call them? Ancillary products? Ancillary. I don't not, know. <laughs> the sets that aren't Conspiracy 3? Not master sets because they stopped doing those, right. but this was very similar. So it was Modern Horizons, which came out in June. Uh, this was not a master set because it wasn't all reprints. So they did have a bunch of new cards that were designed specifically for Modern, but also a lot of good commander stuff in there. So we got Force of Negation, the new Urza, which was our preview card, Prismatic Vista, another fetch land. Yeah. Um, the draw card, land cycle. Horizon canopy cycle getting finished, basically. Uh, Yogmoth, Thrawn Physician, First Sliver, Morophon the Boundless, Unbound Flourishing, Ayula, Bear Force One. <laughs> that was a cool one. Definitely not the flashiest card in the set, but I think one of the, it was actually on Reddit, one of the top posts of the entire year, just because people were like, finally, it is the Bear Commander. Uh, also, I want to say that that Game Nights episode, as far as trajectory, is our most popular of all time. Oh, just because it keeps... As far as views it has at this point compared to other videos. I think uh, the Jacob yeah. episode is second, and then the um, oh, the, the uh, Prof and Rob Melissa, and Melissa yeah. one is up there. And also, uh, the first Kenji episode with Gabby is also very high on that list. Nice. Not that I look at our analytics all the time. No, who would do that? <laughs> Not that they give you all of the data as well. <laughs> So, what do you think about Modern Horizons, everybody out there? Was it really Commander Horizons as dubbed by the community? I think it's hard to say that because Commander Legends is coming out. True. Which is basically Commander Horizons. Yeah. The the one thing that's very obvious is that everyone at WotC, R&D-wise, has to be just constantly having a little thing in their brain going like, and Commander gets. Yeah. And Commander gets. And next year, we get a whole set. Yeah. In fact, I think I'm allowed to say this. Um, when I first drafted Commander Legends... Right. Uh, testing it, Josh went up to WotC. Yeah, I was at WotC. Uh, it was, they were calling it Commander Horizons at that point. Oh. So there you go. It's okay. No one's... At that point, it. I didn't know Modern Horizons existed, so I didn't know there was even a Horizons <laughs> thing. So I was like, Horizons, okay. Horizons, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a magic-esque word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, as far as Commander goes... It, we just got one set this year, like usual. That's, of course, changing next year. But the Commander 2019 set saw a uh, what I thought was one of the best balanced decks to play against each other. Yeah. And in terms of cards that were notable, uh, Krik, or Kirik. Kirik, Son of Yogmoth, definitely the biggest splash there. And Dockside Extortionist, Ramp in Mono Red. That's a really cool, cool card. They reprinted Seedborn Muse. Yep. Uh, they've reprinted it a couple times in the last few years. So this is a card that has gotten a lot more affordable, which is good because it's very, very powerful and strong. Yeah, I agree with you that the Commander product this year, I thought was one of their better products. As far as those decks out of the box, they did a what specific they? thing. They were very individual. They didn't feel like the other decks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sure that the set, as if as far as like all the new cards in the set, it was hard. Like, look at the list. We've got like three or four cards we're mentioning here. Whereas yeah. for some of the other sets, we were mentioning like six, seven, eight, nine cards. Yeah, especially Modern Horizon specifically. Yeah, although there was a bunch of legendary creatures that we're not talking about here. Um, yeah, maybe we'll mention some when we talk about what we think the best new legendary commander 
facts of the year were. Well, that's one of those things that sneaks up on you, too. Yeah. Maybe we find out that the Pramicon, the wall that makes you attack people, is just like the best control finisher there ever was. I don't know. Probably not. I played with uh, against a Pramicon deck just the other night because uh, Kyle came yeah, with yeah, his Kyle buddy who editor. edits. Yeah, and, and he had a pretty sweet Pramicon deck. So, uh, all right, moving on. <laughs> they... They, was this the first year they did this, or this is a continuation? Did they have Mythic Edition last year? I forget. I think they had one oh, before. Oh, Guilds of Ravnica. Guilds of Ravnica is where it started, yeah. So they continued the Mythic Edition thing for a couple of sets here. And Mythic Edition was this super high-end special booster box and it accompanied a set. So they did one for Ravnica Allegiance and War of the Spark. And what it was is you get 24 packs in the booster box, but 16 of the packs are normal, Mm -hmm. but eight of the packs are not. And in those eight packs, they they were colored differently, they looked differently, and they would each have a specific chase card, promo card in them. So for, for, um, was it War of the Spark had the Planeswalkers. Planeswalkers, yeah. That one people went nuts for because it had great, it had Ugin, it had Tezzeret. Yeah, all the original really powerful Planeswalkers and Commander. So the value of that one was sky high. Uh, The Ravnica Legions one, not quite as popular, but what happened... That was the least popular one of the three, yeah. Did you get a War of the Spark Mythic Edition? No, we all tried. We all were in the office like, click, 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 reload, try and type in the thing. And for a hot second. Thought we got it. We got him. Yeah, thought we got it. Like, (laughs) it gave me, you got the confirmation of like. Full on confirmation. Yeah, order successful, email confirmation, everything. And then we found out like a few weeks later when we got these uh, full art, or no, so uh, uncut sheets as reconciliation so yeah so what reparations happened, i suppose <laughs> so what happened is they oversold because ebay they did it through ebay i think it was an ebay problem i don't know yeah and i don't, I don't know okay look we can talk about it later keep going well i'm just i'm just saying like they only had x amount to sell i forget what the number was it was like twelve thousand or whatever and they accidentally sold forty thousand. Mm-hmm. and so twenty eight thousand people i just made up those numbers but it's something around that Yeah, a lot of people did not get this and were mad and had gotten confirmation that they were going to get it and so they sent out these war of the spark uh foil uncut sheets to people as like apology like hey sorry you're not going to get it we're going to refund all your money and you just get this thing for free yeah which is pretty nice because those things are worth like, it's just like a hundred dollar bill at the very least mm-hmm. for free. And that, it's a collector thing. A lot of people don't have uncut sheets. Yeah. It's harder to come across. He, here's the thing though. Then they sent those and a lot of those were damaged. <laughs> so people were like sending back to get new ones. So they ended up having to send out like extras of those. And like, yeah, I have one. I have a foil uncut sheet. My girlfriend has one because while I was trying to order she it, she was try- also yeah. trying to order it. So we have two foil uncut sheets. We checked we checked them. They're in good condition. They're just sitting there because nobody wants them because there was 40,000 of them out there. In yeah. The world. yeah. Maybe you can make your own miscuts, you know? <laughs> I have mine. I know what we want to know where it is. Where? I got it at the door. I opened my door. I knew exactly what it was. And I was like, I don't even want to check if it's busted or not. So I just put it next to the door. And it's literally been Still sitting there, there since July. <laughs> Mine's in the closet in our office over here. It's just been yeah. sitting there. I checked it, though, to make sure it wasn't damaged. Put you know, it back in and then... Josh Kim also got one, and he framed it, and he put it up, and it actually looks really nice. I'm sure it would, but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want a piece... It's a lot of work. I didn't, want a, I didn't want a piece of wall art. I wanted, you know, yeah. magic cards. Anyway. To play uh, with. Yeah, that's a, that was some controversy, a thing that happened. And as a result, they sort of changed, and they're not doing Mythic Edition anymore. Or at least they didn't for, yeah. for Throne of Eldraine. Um, oh, wait, I'm skipping one here. So in June, they came out with the signature spellbook Gideon, which is the white signature spellbook. Last year, they did blue. Mm-hmm. 
uh, bunch of reprints, different versions, foil and non-foil, similar to what they're going to do for the, um, what's it called? The Commander Collection. Commander Collection, yeah, green, mm-hmm. which uh, Gavin talked about when he came on the show. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think using eBay as your vendor is just a smart idea. Right, like, you would. Th- I would think like, hey, it's eBay. They handle a ton of volume. They're going to be able to handle this. I don't I like, know where the miscommunication happened, but like, clearly, this was not <laughs> the ideal way of going about it. Yeah, I mean, but when they announced, it, I was like, okay, they're not doing because I think they did earlier Mythic editions on their own storefront, which mm-hmm. was a disaster because the Hasbro storefront is not yeah robust. And every time they do like the Comic Con pre- promos and stuff, yeah. they just the site gets crashes. The, yeah. So th- then it was like, okay, they're going to use eBay, who must know how to handle this large volume, which clearly didn't work because that thing all went awry. So, uh, okay, we're going to talk about Secret Layer in a second here, which is tied into that too. But let's let's hit the other thing that happened in between the Spellbook and Secret Layer, which was Throne of Eldraine, they tried something new again, which is the Collector's Boosters. You talked about it earlier. This was a really ultra-premium, high-end, quote-unquote, booster box it only had 12 packs in it. Yeah, and the box was about yay big. Like I think we have one here. Yeah, it was really interesting because I was with Mark Rosewater when they previewed this. Uh, we There was a stream that we talked about it on, and Mark, you know, he wanted to differentiate between new products, and so there was a draft booster, a booster themed around certain colors, and then this, the Collector Premium Booster. And this, of course, had a higher chance for pretty much everything in it. Now, there's no booster packs in here because we, we gave them all away as prizes for the Game Nights giveaways. But you can see it's a small box. The box itself is foil. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it came with 12 special packs, and they were about $30 MSRP. I know they don't do MSRP anymore, but that's about what you could find them for, $30, yeah. $35. Uh, there were at least two rares or mythics, I think, in each of them and a bunch of foils. I was going to say, do you know what was in each pack? Because I have no idea. I I don't. I opened up a bunch of packs. And remember that card, uh, Happily Ever After, whichever, the white, like, stupid win condition that Yes, I we know. On. You can sometimes do it. We've seen the tweets. I opened, I bought one and I opened all of them. And in two of the packs, I got that card in foil. So... <laughs> <laughs> so that's karma for me. So yes, all you people out there, like yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to it. do a draft with them because they're not made. They're, they're like, yeah, they're just there's so like insane. more rares in there. Yeah. And they're, they're all. I don't. But the problem I think with this product is like they were like too many ideas. Mm-hmm. It was like oh, there's some are full art. Then there's uh, some extended art. Then there's foils. Then there's the storybook story chart. Then there's yeah. the and it's just like I have no idea what I can even possibly open in there and what versions of what cards are even available to this day. If you if you said like like uh, I don't know, name a card from Throne of Eldraine. I don't know how many different versions of that specific card there are. I don't either. There's so many different and like maybe this is a little bit of overwhelming us as collectors for being a collector booster. I. You know, I used to have this sort of like, I'm going to get four of all my favorite cards from the set. I know there's a regular and a foil version. Now I don't even know where to start. With it's Throne of nuts. Like, yeah. So that made me just throw up my hands and be like, listen, I'm not going to actually try and get any of this stuff uh, because I have no idea even what there is. And I don't, True. I just don't have the brain power to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's the headline there. Josh doesn't have enough brain power. <laughs> <laughs> Josh's brain power at an all-time low as soon as a collector's booster was put in front of it. It was like, malfunction, forget it. Like, this looks like a regular booster. You open it, you're like, what is happening? Imagine drafting that. It's like you have to do a sanity check like you're in the I did want to draft it just because it doesn't... I think 
Like only fine. certain cards could be in the collector's boosters. It wasn't the whole set's not even possible. Yeah. So then <laughs> it's like a really skewed draft. I I mentioned this tomorrow. I was like, I want to draft with it. He's like, No, it's not designed for that. And I like, but it'd be so fun. He's like, No. <laughs> I'm like, but yeah. it'd be crazy, Mark. He's like, It's not designed nah, for it. It's not made for that. <laughs> yeah. It would, it's gonna be bonkers, weird. Maybe in like a chaos draft, you just throw one in there. Oh, like that idea. There you also, because you're chaos drafting. Or exactly. All right, and then the last product they released uh, this year was. Another interesting one, and sort of, I don't know, is it like a cross between Mythic Edition and... I think it's... And, it's, and like... They're called timed releases. It's okay, secret lair. And the way that works is that for a X period amount of time, in this case 24 hours, you can buy as many of these as you want. Well, they set a limit. Yes, they set a limit up to 10. But the idea is like anyone has access to it. You can all do it. It's not something We're not going to sell out. Yeah, it's not going to be like the Mythic Editions of the past. And each of them were a different themed set of three to like five-ish cards, sometimes in foil, sometimes not. Um, covering, I guess, the spectrum of kind of what Magic players like and are. Yeah, there was a set of snow-covered lands. There was a cat yeah. group that was like all these cute cat arts. There was a bunch of five-color commanders, which were really cool. There was just Bitter Blossom and a bunch, and a bunch of fairy tokens. tokens. Yeah, yeah. It, it was really interesting. I, I would love to know what the numbers were like on all these, like which ones did well. I'm sure they were doing this as an experiment. Too, it to had see. to have been. And cover, so I'm sure they went like, let's cover the spectrum here, see where our demographics are, what appeals to what, how many yeah. we sell of these. Which uh, ones are the most popular, yeah. and I'm sure on the download, also analyze the secondary market and see what happens to them after well, the fact. Yeah, here's the thing. Uh, obviously, we were involved with helping to announce the launch of this thing. They, they came to us and they are like, hey, we give you one of these, we showed off on your mm-hmm. thing. And of course, we have 100% magic players out in the audience, so we usually say yes to that stuff because we figured that's something you all out there want, want to know to see, about. Yeah. But at the same time, it didn't give us a lot of chance to talk about it. This is definitely an interesting sort of, I don't know, attempt or foray into the singles market directly, mm-hmm. right? Like, up until now, Wizards hasn't ever just sold singles. Yeah, and they are obviously doing it through the guise of alternate art, foil, premium edition, can't get it anywhere else, only in a specific kind of product, but... It's true. I mean, if you look at each of the releases, they're all so vastly different, and they all appeal to a very specific kind of player. The Bitter Blossom is really one card they're selling you. Like, yeah, there's some tokens in there, but like, and it was priced at a slightly under what Bitter Blossom, like it was $30, and Bitter Blossom was about $35. Yeah. I mean, that can't be a coincidence. So really interesting to see where this goes. If they do, I'm assuming that it went well, and they're going to do more of this. Uh but it definitely, there are changes going on in the market and how Wizards is like able to sort of, I don't know, navigate all that stuff, online sales and things like that. Yeah, and it's different too because they, you know exactly what you're getting, right? right? Even in the signature spell books, it wasn't there a chance of only one of them or some of them right. being full? Right, there's you some chance know. Yeah, and in this case, you know exactly what you're getting for what price point and... I wouldn't be fascinated. Obviously, this is something that none of us have access to, but knowing how well it did and whether or not this is going to change their decisions for things all the way down to regular sets as opposed to doing stuff like this again in the future, I actually kind of like it. I think giving players a chance to buy something without having them have the feel-bads of, it's sold out, I can't get it, and I know how much I'm going to pay for it is great. I mean, think about what's the one of the big like boogeyman of like reprints that people want, like the fetch lands. Yeah. Think if they put the five fetch lands in a secret lair and it was a hundred dollars and everyone could buy it and you can buy up to 10 of them yeah for a hundred dollars that's makes them twenty dollars each which is a steal by current market value uh especially if it's the 
Zendikar fetches. Mm-hmm. What's stopping them from doing that? Why wouldn't they do that? If they can just directly sell you singles, basically. Yeah, they know exactly what players want. They can see cards that are maybe getting way too high for players and it's starting to grow descent. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah, interesting. I don't think you'll find anyone saying, ah, oh, this is stupid. Yeah, I mean, maybe, the, maybe the Channel Fireballs of the world wouldn't love that because, yeah. you know, their inventory suddenly becomes worth a lot less. But yeah. I think... Ultimately- I mean, even if you don't buy it, doesn't that mean that the price of everything else is going to slightly go down, right? Hopefully. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's yeah. why I think if you're like a, a really large magic retailer and you're holding on to a bunch, which, hey, I'm not a large magic retailer. So for us, yeah. it's just kind of good. Like I could get cheap fetches. Well, uh, also like it affects everything. You go to a magic fest, now you can start trading for this kind of thing. Yeah. Like more people will just have these in, in circulation. They don't need to worry about printing it into standard or sticking into a commander set, all that stuff. Did you order any secret layer? I got all of them. You got the bundle? Yeah, I got the bundle. Yeah. Because I, I was just like, this is a nice way to just get everything and not have to worry about it. Yeah, I got two of the bundles. Nice. Because I think we, okay, we may give one of those away. Maybe. Eh, maybe. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of other stuff. There were changes to our format. There were new formats that were invented this year. There were all kinds of like cool stories in Magic. Plus, we're going to talk about our picks for the best cards, mm-hmm. best commanders, best artwork, all kinds of stuff. But before we get into that, we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right. Year in review. Good stuff. So many things happened this year, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the nitty gritty of some of our favorite cards, some of the new formats that came into existence, and uh, what I like to call the most wholesome stories for Magic this year, but we'll get to that very last. Okay, first up, changes to the format of Commander. This is big. Paradox Engine and Iona Shield of Emeria were banned, and Painter's Servant, a card that a lot of people have been clamoring for, has been unbanned. Yeah, interesting. This was the first year that I believe since we had the podcast where they banned two cards in the same year. Hmm. In fact, we didn't even average one card ban per year. Yeah, it was just profit far less. for the second year and then that was kind of it for a while. Yeah, we haven't seen a ban in a long time. So them banning two cards and then unbanning a card, which they did unban Protean Hulk right, uh, fairly recently. So that's something that we've maybe seen a little more, more often, more recently anyway. Um, what, you know, we kind of... Set our piece at the time about us not liking the bands. Do you feel the same way about it still? I mean, I don't... Here's the thing. It's one of those weird things where it's like, I don't miss seeing Paradox Engine on the battlefield, but I don't not miss it either because it's almost like you place... Get rid of one boogeyman, another one's going to pop up in its place. 
you're still going to see things that are on that level of like, oh, come on, great, fine. Like a single card that comes down that just kind of wins the game for people. Like you might say that Mycosynth Lattice has the same effect as Iona in terms of how powerful it is. So we were playing a game the other night and somebody were of invention and I remember in my brain, I was literally thinking, well, normally I would be scared here of Paradox Engine, but it's banned. But now I'm scared of Bolas' Citadel. And right. they went, Bolas' Citadel win. You know? And I was like, yep. <laughs> yeah, maybe it takes a little more, like how much more percentage setup does it take for Bolas' Citadel to win the game that much more, or honestly. Paradox Engine? Yeah. yeah. If you have top, you're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, <laughs> Which actually. the person did. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, um... I still don't like either of the bands. Really don't like the Iona band. The Paradox Engine band, I'm more like lukewarm on. It's like, that's eh, fine. Yeah. It was a powerful card, whatever. Iona that just one seemed... at least makes sense. I can stomach it. Iona definitely seemed like a... All right, who complained the loudest here? Yeah, just out of left field. Like, I just... That is not a game-breaking card. Yeah. In any way. Uh, but Painter Servant unbanned. I'm still like... Let me ask you this question. Since it got unbanned, how many times have you seen it in games? Zero. I've seen it twice. Okay. And You've both, definitely played a lot more because you went to MF Seattle and stuff. And both times, it was totally fine, totally fair. I don't think either time the person won the game off of it. They did some cool stuff and we yeah. were scared. Yeah, yeah. This one was like, oh, Painter Server, what's going to happen here? And it was like, <laughs> I was like uh, that was pretty cool, I guess. But New territory. Yeah, yeah, but nothing insane happened. It feels like Spy Kit to me, a card that's like, this has to be broken somehow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are ways to break Painter Servant, but less ways than you think. And, yeah. you know, unless they literally tutor right after they play it, I think, like, it's going to be, like, eh, mostly normal commander shenanigans with it. Yeah, and the painter servant could be your commander, it'd be a different story, but as it is, it's still just a card in the 99. So I, I like that. The painter servant man feels like the Protean Hulk one, which is just like, yeah, you can break it if you want, but it's not going to be format warping. I mean, Protean Hulk way more powerful in cdh it is a little yeah. bit format warping there but i think this sh the lesson from these bands and unbands was that should be that unbands there's probably a lot of stuff on there that can come off i mean world fire yeah <laughs> not what me. i meant not what i meant Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> all right so that was changes to our format but this year also brought about a couple of new formats. Very exciting. Uh, one that people have asked us to talk about repeatedly, and one that I'm glad that we didn't spend the whole episode talking about because it does not seem to be around much anymore. And I know this is contentious, and I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of messages saying that I'm completely wrong, but Oathbreaker popped onto the scene, uh, a format where any Planeswalker could be your commander, and each uh, commander had a signature card. Signature that, spell. Spell that would also go alongside it. So you had sort of access to two cards always from your command zone. You can only, ca you can only cast a signature spell if your commander is on the battlefield, and your yeah. commander, yeah, has to be a Planeswalker. Of course, it was very, very popular around the time when it was created because that was around War of the Spark and mm -hmm. that was the time when everyone was Planeswalker crazy. Everyone was Planeswalker drunk and wanted to play all the Planeswalkers <laughs> I'm all drunk the time. on Planeswalkers. Yeah, and so that was the time when all the hullabaloo was going on and yeah, it was exciting times I think for a lot of people and a lot of people found the format fun. I still haven't played it and here's the thing, not for lack of trying. Yeah. I went to, to Magic Fest Vegas and I was like, I would ask people, anybody got Oathbreaker decks? Like, I'll play. Can I borrow one? No one had one. And I just never found a game. And then Command Fest Seattle, they had uh, a big room there, but they had little signs up. And it was like, this is the casual commander mm -hmm. area, which was big. This is the competitive commander area, which was slightly smaller, but still a decent amount. Then they had like a row. And this this row is for Popper Commander. And this row is for Brawl. And this row is for Oathbreaker. And I was like, sweet. 
I'm just going to swing by the Oathbreaker area, and if I can find a game, I will. And I kept walking by that area the whole weekend, and there would just be no one there. And one time, I was like, saw some people playing, and I actually like rushed over because I was like, sweet, <laughs> maybe I can get in. They are playing Modern. <laughs> so, Whoops. Yeah, so, uh, listen, I don't want to... If you're playing Oathbreaker and you enjoy it, that's great, but I Keep think... Keep going. Have fun. Build decks. That's a great part. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, like I just haven't been able to see it out in the wild, and not for lack of looking. I have not played a game, and that is for lack of looking, because <laughs> I left it up to you, and you clearly tried pretty hard, so I don't know. I mean, look, if it happens, I'll play it. I'm not, like, against it, it, playing it. It seems like it'd be fun. Yeah. I just don't want to spend all the time building a deck that I can never use. Yeah, I mean, look, we all remember Tiny Leaders, yeah. and I think that's the most apt comparison here in that it's there are a lot magic's a great amazing beautiful game and it's amazing people build cubes they do their own play experiences and oathbreaker is i think a version of that same extension of like i love magic so much i'm going to make something for it but sometimes things are flashing the pan oh uh, you know what i did play at least two games of in vegas was brawl so that's oh cool i think that's at least some people are playing that i think that that has a much more direct effect like you play standard you can make a brawl deck yeah and that that is always going to be something that kind of works because that ecosystem and that line of path is there and also with it coming to arena i think a lot of people are excited about that format yeah. maybe even more so so you know what i would enjoy maybe if you had an Oathbreaker cube Ooh, maybe that's something you that'd be do. fun yeah it's just because i like cube yeah and, and, and it's cool. something that you can just put on the table and go hey we're gonna do this not everyone needs to build a deck or bring right so brandon sanderson get on it <laughs> uh another new format that hit the scene pretty recently with a huge splash has sort of taken over a lot of the i don't know the conversation out there and definitely shaking up the mtg finance side a of lot things. of streamers playing it as well a lot of cards getting going crazy as far as their prices just roller coaster it's been nuts mm -hmm. it's the pioneer format modern 2.0 yeah so they basically yeah that's basically exactly what it is they just set a new cutoff date and said okay new format is from here forward the only cards that are banned right now when they started were the fetch lands yeah and they've added a couple to that i believe they did uh return to ravnica block forward mm -hmm. and said yeah no cons fetches no they've banned some cards since oko so, smuggler's copter right uh boy don't ask me what the pioneer bans are because they've been banning pretty regularly field of the dead i think they banned they started with nothing banned and then they went okay every monday from here on for a little while we're maybe going to ban stuff so they have a yeah. ban announcement announcement like every week it's kind of cool not that they're banning something every week just that they have the ability to just yeah, yeah. and so it's been a, that's why i said it's been a roller coaster because if you got in on a, the best deck maybe it got banned and then all of a sudden you know oh all these cards this deck's gonna be awesome uh, i haven't played it at all but people are very excited about it it has that feeling that i think draws a lot of people into standard which is like who knows what's going to shift up the format and it's a brand new format it's super fresh and so as a result i think everyone's rapidly testing seeing what works seeing what doesn't and getting away with cool jank decks so there's a lot of that sort of excitement around it which makes a lot of sense i mean i think when especially for 1v1 formats when they're the most fun is at the beginning of a format when nobody's cracked it yet yeah. and it's a brewer's paradise and it feels like hey i just might come up with something no one else has come up with yet and just come out of nowhere mm -hmm. and have just like the best deck all of a sudden and that's that's exciting to think about like yeah. I, I could put two cards together and the format's so young nobody's thought of this i'm the first one and i could just take down a tournament out of nowhere yeah uh, that's like literally the 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 dream for a brewer yeah and but the problem is that that can't last very long the longer the format is around the more it starts to get solved i always thought it'd be fun to have a a quote-unquote a randomly rotating format like imagine oh interesting there's a lot of reasons why this would be hard to pull off but imagine that like they were like okay there's a tournament it's next s saturday on wednesday we will randomly select the six sets that mm. you can 
build decks build decks from so you can't test it's just who's the best brewer you're gonna have three or four days and and then the ne- then two weeks later well the next tournament will be another randomly selected six sets or whatever the problem is everyone would have to have every All those card cards, yeah. from every set you but- know where you could do that arena yes oh yeah you could find ways for people to redeem all that stuff yeah. and you might have to say it's only for sets that have been since this has come out or whatever but arena also has a new format called historic which i've seen right. a lot of, of streamers playing too so that's a that's a lot of a lot of new stuff coming and arena is actually the harbinger of a lot of it because i believe the world championships next year for the first time ever no more limited arena only wow wow uh not just new formats this year. There were some new things announced. Yeah. So Magic is making a Netflix series, and this is an animated series. Yes. And this is, they got some big names attached. Yeah. Joe and Anthony Russo, everyone knows them as the Russo brothers, uh, you know, Avengers. The directors of the Avengers. Yeah. They're going to be executive producing an animated adaptation revolving around, of course, Planeswalkers, who are the closest to humans, I suppose. Uh, and the quote is, we have been huge fans and players of Magic the Gathering for as long as it has been around. So being able to help bring these stories to life through animation is a true passion project for us. So my first thought when reading that is like, because <laughs> they're in LA probably, right? Yeah. Do they want to come on game nights? Russo Brothers, I'm assuming you're listening. If you would like to come on game nights, you know, call us. Have your agent call us. They probably have an agent. We'll just call you. We'll call you. Give us your number. If anybody <laughs> out there knows them. Call them. Call them. Tell them about game nights. You know, that'd you, be sweet. The other thing I thought also, when I saw this. cast Jimmy in the next <laughs> Marvel movie. I'm down. I'm sure they have that power, you know. <laughs> Take, I, you know, I'll go from 680 wherever Mulan's. Ba- I don't even know the time period Mulan's based into the future. Yeah. Why now not? I have superpowers. That'd be pretty cool. Um, they said it's a passion project. Do they have time for passion projects? Yeah, I, people like this are so insanely busy. But maybe they play magic. It's possible. That'd be really cool. I know there are some Hollywood groups that play. There are like <clears throat> groups of like writers and things mm-hmm. like that that play D and D, play magic. So maybe they're in that. I have no idea. But it's pretty cool that we're going to get an animated series and that they have like obviously these two brothers are pretty creative, smart, smart guys. So yeah. it makes me feel like there's a decent chance that the series is good yeah and for what it's worth animated i think is one of the best ways to approach yeah. something like magic of the gathering because live action and that was a series that they're a movie they're trying to make for a while it's just so hard to wrap my head around how that would look and feel correct yeah i, I to me every time they would talk about the movie i just shake my head like i don't think that'll ever happen because <laughs> I, I just don't know the way that you do that yep at least currently all right, now there's a whole bunch of stuff that, well, you were involved with and we were involved with mm-hmm. uh, that happened last year. You want to run through it? Yeah, so the first one that happened was the PAX Mythic Invitational. It was at PAX East this year, and I hosted a panel to talk about War of the Spark. That was the first time they debuted the Liliana trailer, where she goes against Bolas. With the Liliana um, Park song? I watched people just cry in front of me, because I'd seen it already, and you just look into the audience, and people were just like, <gasps> which is a really magic Cole moment. <laughs> I mean, let's give it up for the marketing team uh, over there at Wizards because the War of the Spark teaser trailer, the Sword of Eldraine. Eldraine. Yeah, yeah, super good. They've been killing it for yeah. sure. Um, I also host, hosted the set reveals for 2020 with Mark Rosewater and Cynthia Shepard, and we talked a lot about Throne of Eldraine previews. That's where Garrick Wild Huntsman, or the Huntsman, I forget what it's called, uh, was the first time we previewed that as well. So that was really fun. We baked cookies together. Um, Mark was in his element, as always. Baking cookies? Yeah, and you know what my favorite part about it is? about when filming with mark 
so they you know sound Volume. guys sound <laughs> yeah. guys are usually the one of the interchangeable format people in on a set and so you always have new people micing you up or new people doing makeup those are sort of the two that change a lot and every I've done stuff with Mark like three or four times now and every time it's a different sound person you can just tell the first time they might come up they, they just do one of these they're like Oh, whoa, 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 okay, all right, let's... <laughs> oh, he talks like that all the time. Coming in hot, real hot. Oh, gosh, how do I do this? <laughs> so watching them navigate those wires with Mark is always a blast. I love the guy. Uh, Kyle Hill had a cool video. We haven't... Did we not talk about this on our show? I don't we think we that. did. So Kyle Hill, obviously, of Game Nights and Extra Turns, been on some of our content. We talk about him a lot. Plays a lot of Commander. Uh, he has a, a channel on YouTube called Because Science... It's only got like a million subscribers. It's yeah. not very big. Uh, <laughs> Kyle does a lot of cool sciencey stuff where he'll break down like why you wouldn't really want to have uh, super speed or right. it's, yeah, really cool stuff. Well, he did a video um, about the fact that you can build from magic cards using their text box and the way that the cards interact in the game legally, you can build a Turing machine, which is basically a computer. A working computer yeah. named after Alan Turing, who made the first computer. And he brought us on. He, we came and filmed it here in our studios, and Kyle sort of deconstructed the whole thing in front of us. Uh, I was just as confused as I'm sure a lot of people were. But this was based off of like paperwork and, and research done by PhD level, yep. I don't know, doctors, scientists, whatever you want to call them. And so Kyle had this whole thing built out. It's a really fascinating video. And it's how a legal legacy deck. Yeah, how he gets to doing it is actually really, really cool. We will definitely link the video in the show notes. Yeah, as we were doing it, it was so complex. I mean, we were able to sort of keep up. Uh, but I was like thinking the whole time, I don't know if you were the same. I was like, man, how are they going to cut this into anything yeah. where it's for, for a, not a million years long, like where it's, and B where like people watch it and don't get confused, but the video is done really, really well. So I think they did a really good job of producing the video and making it digestible. If you haven't checked it out. Not to mention Kyle just came in and was just like, yeah, I got it. I, I know what's up. And he just talked through the whole thing. And yeah. Like. Nice. You didn't have to reference your script like at all. You clearly have done the research. So big props to Kyle as well. Kyle also clearly a guy that's just on camera all the time. Like he's like whatever, <laughs> yeah. just push record and all. It's fine. We'll figure you it know, out. And he just boom turns on and says it all without missing a beat. Yeah. <laughs> um, we had Gavin Verhe from Wizards of the Coast come on our channel to talk about the big Commander 2020 announcements. This was kind of a big moment I think for us in our channel where we got to sort of become like a big announcement platform yeah. you know just showed that we've grown to the point where wizards really trust us to help them uh let the community know about stuff that's coming down the pipe yeah and i think it says a lot too that they're willing to do so on a channel where we've been openly critical about decisions they made before and we have even on this episode and it's something that i think a lot of uh, more casual viewers of the show kind of miss out on because you kind of have to dig deep and find the moments when we're talking about stuff to hear us being like i hated that i don't think that's a good idea but it's great you know i think wizards is a is moving forward is is becoming better and better at figuring out how to interact with their community and really work on that level. So, I, you know, I'm glad that they trust us. And credit where credit is due. I think they were pretty sure that we were going to be excited about these particular yes. announcements. Yes, yes. Which, you know... <laughs> and we talked about them later as well. And, you know, obviously we have our concerns, but overall, it's magic cards. We're going to be excited, as I'm sure a lot of you out there as well. And Gavin is just such a good steward of the game. He just loves it so much. Like, yeah. I'm not saying Gavin will never make mistakes or Mark or a lot of people over there who I, but their hearts are in the right place. Like they're, they really yeah. do love the game and they're trying to make it as awesome as possible. So, uh, 
yeah, I guess that's all to say about that. A couple other small things. Magic the Gathering Arena finally launched officially. It seems like it's been in beta for almost a year now. Uh, there's a really fun commercial that uh, Josh and I actually got to visit the set for. Oh, right. Uh, with Carl Weathers and Sophia Lillis from IT. And Apollo. I make a, Apollo, yeah. Apollo Creed. Also, the Predator handshake, one of the greatest handshakes ever committed to film. Yep. Those biceps. Also, what was his character name on Happy Gilmore Tubbs? Tubbs, yeah. And then yeah. Uh, Mando. Yeah. <laughs> You're my favorite bounty hunter, Mando. Yeah, like he's in The Mandalorian too, so that's really cool. Um, and I was in a small little cameo playing Sophia Lillis. Low known fact, my section in that, if you watch it again, all that footage was filmed on an iPhone on a chair, like with like boxes stacked on it with a guy just sort of sitting there going click and holding it as steady as possible. Which is hilarious because when we went to visit the set, it was like legit. Like they closed down a street. Yes. They had like, who was the DP? It was like- Bill Pope, the yeah, guy that did Bill the Pope. Matrix. Oh yeah. <laughs> one of the greatest DPs of, of all time. time. <laughs> He's got awards named after him. <laughs> For real. Uh, yeah, but your part was on an iPhone. Yeah, they like called me in their office. And it know. was like scheduled like really like short notice, right? Yeah, like two days before. They're like, hey, do you want to do this? Okay. Like, All right, sure. Why not? <laughs> <But> the <laughs> commercial turned out great. Um, yeah. Brian Perry over at Wizards was the person who sort of led us on the set and is in charge of a lot of that stuff. And yeah, uh, yeah, I, I really liked I really liked how the commercial turned out. It was funny and uh, it I don't know. It made fun of. I guess it was for my generation. So a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It hit the notes. Yeah. Um, I wonder if Carl Weathers is sick of doing things that are related to Rocky. Yeah, he's like always <laughs> like, again, I got to parody oh, this whole thing for my whole life. Mando! Okay. <laughs> um, and then finally, the command zone was the first uh, the first time we've seen this like, you know, used as an area. Uh, by the way, the command zone podcast, we, you know, we all got our name from the actual command zone. So the command zone at MF Vegas in Seattle. Josh went to the one in Seattle. We were both at Vegas. Was There's just command a- zone areas all over the world at Magic Fest now. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. It was great to see the first ever iteration of it, and it did really well, which means Commander... One of the most popular formats ever. Uh, to be clear, also, we don't have anything to do with the use of that name Correct. for live events. So we don't run it. So every once in a while, people will... I know. Someone get, got mad at me over something. I was like, bro, it's not me. You got to talk to Channel <laughs> Fireball. You got to talk to Wizards. Like, yeah. You think we're running you know, the, the logistics of every single command zone area <laughs> at live events across the planet? No, that has nothing no to do way. with us. Yeah. Um, okay. This was likely the biggest year in history for Magic the Gathering. Uh, We know this from a few different metrics. One, on the professional side of the game, we we saw the biggest tournament prize pools that we've ever seen. Uh, They launched the MPL. This was the first year of the MPL, which, let's be honest, had its ups and downs. The Magic Pro League. We talked about that a little bit as well. Yeah, um, but the result of that was definitely like a lot of eyeballs on magic. They yeah. definitely went out there and the, the trailers that you talked about, or we talked about uh, helped a lot, a lot of excitement for the sets and a lot of new people coming into the game through arena. Yeah. A lot of new streamers as well. That was really awesome to see that entire community really get built up um, and just expand this year more than ever. Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's pretty fair to say that this would be the biggest year. 2019 has been the biggest year magic's ever seen. Yep. Um, the growth and launch of Arena, obviously a big part of that. Also, this was the year where Commander kind of became universally recognized as the most popular format. I think up till now, it had yeah. this slow thing where it was like, back when we started the podcast, like it was way down on the list and kind of a joke. 
I mean, people yeah. would sort of laughingly <laughs> talk about Commander. Honestly, like, I would feel that where it would be like, you know... the first Yeah, we play Commander. The first GP Vegas that we went to, people kind of, like, chuckled about it. Like, oh, they're Commander players. Yeah, yeah, go over and sit in your little side tables over there. We're yeah. going to draft. We're going to play Modern. Yeah, which, I mean, you know, it's slightly irksome at the time. We kind of chuckled along, though. We still drafted and stuff and just was like, yeah. whatever. But now... I think it's a great sign that, you know, like, pros recognize it, pros play it. You know, everyone that you talk to... Pr- probably has a commander deck or some semblance of it or is willing to play it so it kind of feels like um superhero movies you know when i was growing up like people who read comic books and played dungeons and dragons and stuff were like super nerdy and geeky and and got made fun of in school and stuff and then we all grew up and took over the world and like every movie is a superhero (laughs) movie now and it's like you thought spider-man was really dorky when i was in high school but you think it's cool now don't you yeah don't you yeah yeah i'm gonna hang you by your underwear on the locker (laughs) that's what they did right (laughs) yes all right, All right. Let, let's go down the line and talk about best ofs and there's plenty of them yeah let's talk about some cards yeah so let's break it down first up best art from 2019 when i first wrote this i just wrote best seb mckinnon art from 2019 yes he you was only on fire. Seb mckinnon yeah i was like no there was a couple others well one other that i thought was <laughs> was on the list okay so let's let's read the cards and we'll put them on screen for those watching on youtube okay we have soul herder it's a sweet one bedevil also a sweet one deliver unto evil also oh. sweet all by seb mckinnon fibblethip the lost by our friend jesper icing and i like the fibblethip thing a lot yeah the colors on that are really evocative yeah um, and the way that he uses dust and like to yeah. silhouette him kind of like very really he Jesper's feels really good too uh okay let's do the thing where we both think of what our favorite one of these four is and okay. then we say it at the same time i've got mine you got yours i got mine too three two one deliver, deliver unto evil oh. Boom. We have the playmat somewhere here in the office as well. I just remember seeing that art. And Seb McKinnon, he's just had what I think is his most breakout year ever. Oh, yeah. Just killing it. Killing it. Now, of course, there was tons of other amazing art, too. Titus Lyncher did that amazing Ravnica one, I think, this year with yep. the, the guild symbol or the, the magic symbol in the middle of the Planeswalker symbol. There's tons of art out there. Obviously, our to the listeners, you can this, this can be one of the questions that you bring up. Hey, I thought this art was better. But, man, that art, Deliver Unto Evil, it's beautiful. I don't usually care about art, but when I saw that art, my jaw dropped. I was like, yeah, like, yeah that thing's crazy. Ooh, that's cool. Really cool. I can't believe that's a <clears throat> magic art. You know? Yeah. All right. The next category we're going to talk about is best new commander. So you originally listed down like four, and then I was like, but what about this one? But what about that one? But what uh, about this one? Oh, yeah. I listed down a million more. So I'm just going to read a few, and then we can talk about it for a second. So best new commander nominees. <laughs> the nominees are Urza, High Lord Artificer which was our preview card. Prime Speaker Vanifar, which was our preview card. Uh-huh. Feather the Redeemed, also our, our preview, preview card. card. Yarok the Desecrated, not our preview card. <laughs> Anya Falconrath, Tasa Karlov, Yogmoth Thrawn Physician, Kirik, Son of Yogmoth, Chulane, Teller of Tales, Korvald, Faker's King, Kenrith, Returned King, and Torbran, Thane of Redfell. I'm surprised you didn't have Torbrand on your original list. Yeah, you know, he's good, but he's not... He's pretty good. He's not as good as Naheb. The problem with best is that it can mean a couple of different things. I think we should split this into most powerful mm-hmm. and then our personal favorite. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so apologies to the editors. We just named a million cards that they had to put on screen. Uh, let's not forget our five color favorites outside of Kemrith. We have Morophon too and Mor- Golos. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, Golos. Yeah, dude. That's a cool deck too. Okay. Most powerful. All right. I think, I I think g- we're going to agree, but yeah. let's... Well, yeah. Three, two, one. Urza. Oh. oh. 
Free mana. Well, they both come with a lot of free mana, I suppose. It also could be Anya, who is a really, really, really strong deck if built that way. Mm-hmm. I've seen one that's like turn three, kill you every time. What? Yeah. So that's Crazy. a... Yeah. So those are very powerful decks. Wow. Not the decks we would build necessarily. Okay. Favorite. I actually, uh, my favorite's not even on this list, so... Really? Yeah. I think my favorite for a different reason, but it's my favorite. Okay. Three, two, one. Feather. Greven. Ah, Greven. That's right. Yeah. You know what's funny? I, besides game nights, outside of game nights, I built two decks this year, Feather and Greven. Yeah. Well, they both finally do things that are cool. Like, Greven draws more cards than, geez, it's so nuts. many decks. Yeah, I mean, you nuts. kill yourself as you do it, but that's part of the fun. Yeah, and Feather is just the best Boros commander ever, as far as I can tell, in terms of, like, actual value and card, you know, it, it, it's, it's great. You finally get card draw, in a way. I mean, Feather's a red white deck where you never feel like you run out of stuff to do you always have a yeah. full grip and you're always like half like you don't necessarily win but it's not that's what i hate about boros generally is like a lot of games you get to the point where you're like just top decking and it's just not very fun because you just don't have a lot of options of what yeah. you can do you never want to be in that position yeah <clears throat> interesting uh Korvald also a very powerful commander could be maybe one of the most powerful too totally okay let's talk about cards in the 99 now so uh-huh. best overall card we got um, plenty mm. of these as well. So let's just go down the list. The first step, we've already talked about this episode, Smothering Tithe. going to be hard not to, to win. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe the last one too. Arcane Signet, which was in the Brawl decks this year. Overrated. Narset, Parter of Veils. Oh my lord. I swear. I feel like I see it more and more and it just does what Leovold used to do. Yeah. Uh, but it's so good. Every time it gets out, you're just like, crap, I got to deal with that thing well, now. Well, and it probably will draw you two more cards if yeah. you protect it. Uh, yeah. Guardian Project, speaking of drawing cards. I started, I just start putting it on every green deck, it feels like. Why not? It's, it's so built good. for Commander. Yep. Prismatic Vista. Thank you. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, kind of spendy, but it is a, a, effectively a fetch land. Well, let's hope that more of those come out next Somehow. year. Yeah. Uh, it would be great if that was an all, another, like, Soul Ring Command Tower in every single pre That would be, be amazing. And finally, Bolas's Citadel. <laughs> I think it's between Smothering Tide and Bolas's Citadel, to be honest. As far as most powerful? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Okay, you ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. Smothering Tithe. Yeah, I think it's just impossible for another card to win this category this year because this is the breakout card of the year for the format. And for the color. (laughs) Yeah, it literally goes in every single deck that has white. It just does. Unless you somehow have so... Unless it's like a white-green deck and you have so much other ramp that you don't need it. Yeah, I think you still play it. It's so good because just... There is not a game of Commander where the turn rotation goes everybody just draws one card yeah always you have players drawing extra cards and so this is always creating five plus mana per rotation of the table it's it is just an insane card it's the cyclonic rift of white in that it's like gonna go in your white deck yeah listen you might not put it in your deck that has white in it but i think that's objectively just incorrect yeah, and the other thing is, too, I think people are much less likely to pay for Smothering Tide than they are for a Mystic Study. It's too. Yeah. It's too much. Why? It is too much. Yeah. You got to give two mana so they don't get one mana? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, and just in a four-player game, you're probably going to get minimum three. Yep. So that's that's a huge amount of ramp. If right? they pay two, you're so. fine. You're like, yep, you did that. Yeah, another, th- another reason I like Treasures is that they can add up 
Yeah. They'll just sit there and you keep accumulating more and more and more. And all of a sudden you have a 15 mana turn on turn five. It's like, what the heck? Not to mention all the cards that just say like how many artifacts you have or give improvise or like there's all kinds of ways to just take advantage of the fact of right. having a lot of artifacts or tokens out. Double the amount of tokens you have, you know. Ugh, gross. Yeah. Uh, Smother Tides are so, so good. Okay. Let's talk about the best under the radar card. So this is... The best card we think that's not getting a lot of press out there right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, this first one you put down, which is a very me card, so I was proud that you put it down. Yeah, it's Lotus Field. Mm -hmm. It's basically a go to Lotus on the land with some downsides. <laughs> it's Lotus Veil, but safer. Yes, a little bit safer, yeah. It's, yeah, it's got hexproof, so you, it's harder. Like, Lotus Veil is a card I used to play, but if they, anybody strip mines it, you sacrifice two lands. Yeah. And, so they get rid of three of your land drops in one foul swoop. Hurrah. Whereas Lotus Field, you don't really have to worry about that. Yep. Uh, Sudden Substitution, one of the yeah. most interesting counter spells I've ever seen in my life. It's a counter steal. Counter steal, yeah. Split second. Savin's Reclamation. This is interesting in that... Mono White it, Ramp? Yeah, White Ramp. And I have seen this more and more where people are putting this in white decks with fetch lands and getting mm -hmm. at least one land back with it, and sometimes two. And if you get two, it's really good yeah it's definitely better than what white could then could be doing beforehand rhythm of the wild the new fires of yavamaya as far as i'm concerned even better because well, it makes way your better. spells uncounterable there's if you're playing a lot of creatures and you're in red green and you're not playing rhythm of the wild you're doing something wrong because you want the haste and you want the uncounterable yeah collector oofy oh unfortunately i've seen this card just a lot i haven't that much at all it's just stony silence on a creature yeah but it's in green and I think that's what puts it over the top because green doesn't have that. Green doesn't have to use artifact ramp. Whereas white decks don't play Stony Silence that much because they do have to play artifact ramp. Mm -hmm. But green's like, I'm putting a bunch of lands in play. I might only have five artifacts in my whole deck. So Oofy is just so going to sh shut everybody else off, but not me. It's going to make you go, Oof. Yeah. Narset's Reversal. I really am a big fan of this one as well because it feels less worse than Counterspell, but essentially kind of is a Counterspell. This might, besides Smothering Tithe and Bolus of Citadel, secretly be the most powerful card that came out this year. The kind of blowouts that you can have with Narset's Reversal, because it does not counter the spell, it actually can counter uncounterable spells because right. it bounces it back to their hand. And it forks the spell for you, so they time stretch and you're like, I'll time stretch and you won't. They please. expropriate, I will expropriate and you won't. Those are blowout, like, steal, snatch uh, victory from the Jaws of Defeat type plays for two blue mana. It's crazy. Yeah. Anytime something's blue, blue, and it has a counter-esque effect on it, you got to pay attention. I, I, I think it's actually kind of just better than straight counterspell a lot of the time. Yeah, I could see that too. Uh, Wilderness Reclamation is similar to the Seedborn Muse-esque effects of the past. It seems a lot worse because it only untaps you once, but it's just so powerful. It's a, it, it can be like an extra turn every rotation of the yeah, table. Sometimes that's, yeah, right? I'll, I'll, I'll take one extra turn. Yeah, If it's I awesome. get three, sure, but one's pretty darn good too. Biomancer's familiar, uh, an effect that we enjoy very much in Commander as well. Training Ground's so, so expensive, and mm -hmm. this is a very cheap version of it, and there's a reason Training Ground is expensive. It's not because of Modern or Legacy or anything, it's because of our format. And yeah. this is the type of ability because it reduces the cost of activated abilities that a lot of decks want. Flood of Tears, what happens to me after most game nights. <laughs> it's usually much more salty, though. This and is the one where you bounce everybody's stuff, but if you yourself bounce four of your own things or more, then yeah. you get to put... What? a permanent back what? onto the battlefield that's pretty sweet i've seen some huge blowouts with this card that's just made me think oh i need to put that in more decks yeah and Fabro elder the new bloom tender yeah and another bloom tender is a very expensive card and there's a reason it's very expensive this one costs one more mana but at the very least it is a version of bloom tender that you can put into your decks uh this one's tough i don't really know 
because some of these cards aren't really that under the radar to me sometimes like rhythm of the wild is like yeah we all know this is just the better haste enabler i feel like i just haven't seen it as much as as i could have i feel like there's decks i see where i'm like do you and have rhythm of the wild in there yeah. and they and they still have one of the old you know like you said fires of yavi or something yeah i actually did one of my game nights decks and didn't realize that rhythm of the wild was in, in existence should totally would have put that one in said um i got mine okay i think i got mine too three two one Narset's reclamation all right. Just because white, it's it's white similar. It. It's the same as the smothering tether argument. <laughs> right, white needs the help. Maybe it's not so under the radar then. If you're not playing Narset's reversal, you should. You should be. It's crazy. Just try it. And just try it. Just you know, even if it's not the most, even if it's not expropriate level, just just watch what happens when you play it. It's nuts. Yeah. All right, let's talk about our final category here, which is the most wholesome stories of the year from Magic the Gathering. This is a good note to end on. I like it. Yeah, yeah. It's nice and happy and warm and fuzzy. And the first one comes from artist Chris Ron, who is the artist behind Charmed Stray, which is just that cute little one-mana cat. Uh, And he was posting this, I believe, on Instagram. Uh, And here's the quote. Last year, I lost my cat, Willow, after 17 years. I adopted her halfway through my first year of art school, and she was the first pet I had on my own. She saw me through everything. Art school, graduation, getting my career off the ground, breakups, you name it. Needless to say, it was hard to let her go. A couple of months later, I got a tentative email from Don Mirren asking if I'd be interested in an assignment that would include her in MTG. They already had a cat card planned, and I jumped at the chance. When the assignment came in, it had been tailored to match Willow exactly. Painting it was a lot of fun and helped me get over it. Anyway, that's the winding path that got my old girl into War of the Spark. And if you look at a picture of Willow and a picture of the art, it's the same cat. That's so sweet. Really cool. And, and cool that, you know, wizards, like, they knew about it. And yeah. they, like, they were like, oh, let's, here's a chance to do something and we should do it. Imagine getting the brief and it's just like, this is my cat. Yeah. They wrote this because they knew about Willow. That's really cool very rewarding uh they are good about that kind of thing like uh prof got the Tolarian scholar as Yo, his yeah. <laughs> card. uh our friend alex kessler got kess dissident, dissident mage. mage yeah yeah when when it's on their radar and they think of it you know they're they're happy to do that kind of stuff which is really cool yeah <laughs> i like this next one <laughs> all right the next one is the magic spin down dice finally achieved perfection this year because the core set was 2020, which means that the top of the dice actually says 20 on it. Yep, instead of a set symbol <laughs> or M19, which was really tilting. I was like, what? Is this a 20? Uh, there's two 19s on oh, this dice. Oh, gosh, it's an 18, it's a 17. But now, finally, core 2020, it's the time. We did it. Magic can just... I never just, would have thought of this. Magic can just end now, as far as I'm concerned. Hey, 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 hey. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, this next one is from Huey Jensen, uh, and he's remembering his grandfather. And this he's is an MPL and Hall of Famer. Uh, he wrote, found out at my grandpa's funeral during the eulogy that when he died, they found a small piece of paper in his wallet with Magic the Gathering written on it. My grandma wrote it for him so he could remember the name of the game I played to brag about me despite the Alzheimer's. Oh. That's really sweet. That's very sweet. If I did that for my dad, he would still not know because every time he asks me about what I do, he's like, uh, that, that, that card game. He's still talking about that card, the card What's card that card thing? game called yeah. again? That's, what, oh, that's what every family gathering is like for me. It's first of all, it's like, what is that? What's the game that you talk about? Magic the Gathering, right. What What do you do again? <laughs> well, yeah, what? yeah, I make videos on YouTube. How do you make money? <laughs> How does this work? Those are the three questions. And by the way, the person asking me, I've answered those three questions for them at least nine times. 
And then the next uncle comes up and asks the same thing. Or like from across the room, hey, Josh, hey, hey Josh. What's the name of that game? What's that thing you're playing? Yeah, yeah, uh, your, your niece wants, okay, yeah, do you know How about do that? How do you make any money? <laughs> and every- it's fine. They're just worried that I, you know, make sure that I get enough to eat, which clearly if they just looked at me, they would know I do. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and the final feel-good story of the year uh, involves us. We did a very special episode of the podcast and an episode of Extra Turns where we had Evan Moss from the Make-A-Wish Foundation who came to visit us. And uh, it was really humbling to have Evan request as his wish through the Make-A-Wish Foundation to be in our content, to come play magic with us and meet us. And They can ask for anything. I mean, they're like Chris Evans is doing, yeah. you know, these or, or uh, you know. John Cena. Yeah, John Cena right? does millions of them. Uh, Mark Rosewater also showed up as a surprise to Evan because Evan had said, I want to meet you guys, I want to play with you guys. And if Mark Rosewater could come, that'd be great too. Yeah. And we contacted Wizards and Mark was great about like adding an extra day to a trip he was already taking and we managed to make the scheduling work. And that is uh, an episode of our podcast that you can check out. It'll be linked in the show notes. There's also an extra turns also will be linked in the show notes. Evan, just a, a real inspiration and a really great yeah, kid. Really great kid. And, you know, he's starting his own magic club at his own school. He's, you know, facilitating bringing the love of the game to other people, which is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, really smart kid, too. Has published books and done yeah. TED Talks. Pretty crazy. Yeah, really um, crazy. And it was a great experience for us. So I hope it was a great experience for Evan. I, I'm pretty sure it was. <laughs> I, 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 would, I hope so. Evan, hope so. to the listeners, let us know, Evan. Did you have a good time? <laughs> All right. Uh, but this is now the time to go to the listeners for the final time in 2019. So let us know, what are your favorite episodes that we've done and what are the things that you remember that we've done in the past year as well as the things that you know you think are memorable or the do you agree with our best cards list what was the coolest thing you think that happened in magic this year yeah or what was the not the uncoolest thing (laughs) yeah actually yeah yeah this is the year in review so if you have anything to review go for it Maybe it's even your own personal review. Yeah. Did I get better? Do I want to keep playing? What brought me into the commander now instead of limited? Who knows? Very, very cool. And if you would like to get your hands on any of the cards we've talked about this episode, maybe you want to pick up Narset's Reversal, Savine's Reclamation. Mm-hmm. Re- reclamation? Reclamation. There's two cards with Reclamation in it. I just realized. Wilderness Reclamation. If you want to pick that up, any of those... Cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Sorry, I got distracted. I was like, did I get that right? The recommendations. <laughs> you probably want to pick up some of this stuff because uh, you're going to want to put it in your decks. And if you're like us, you have always meant to. You just haven't done it yet. You forgot Rhythm of the Wild existed. So yes, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. You can get that stuff. You can order it. They will ship it to you faster than anybody else. You'll have it in your hands before you know it. Uh, and you can have it for the new year. Yeah. Not to mention, you can also trade in cards that you're done playing with to get store credit, yep. like your Narset Parter Avails. Just get rid of them. <laughs> yeah, you don't want those. You don't want those, no. <laughs> don't cast those. No, no thanks. Definitely don't cast Windfall after you cast that. And while you're shopping at Ultra Pro, or maybe you're at a big box retailer and you see some of this product out there, Ultra Pro, big sponsor of the show as well. And we're so very grateful to them for now sponsoring almost all of our content. And you know what? I don't think i've ever played magic now in like the past three years without some version of an ultra pro product being a part of it and it's just made the general experience so much better just yeah. to have the dice to have everything that you need and not have to worry about not have to worry about your cards getting scuffed up or not having a playmat to play on ultra pro does the best stuff in the business yeah they really will protect all of your cards all right now it's time for the end step the final end step of the year <gasps> 
where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. Are you vamping because you have one? I'm vamping because I want you to come up with something. Oh, boy. So much to talk about. <laughs> uh, so much to see. You know, so I, got, much I got one. To... Oh, thank goodness. So, I recently started watching on Netflix. They have this series of Marvel TV series. Oh, like Runaways? And it was uh, Daredevil. Right. And Jessica Jones. The Defenders ones. Jessica yeah. Jones. Uh Luke Cage. Those are the th- yep. I, the three I watched, and then I watched the Defenders. Um, yeah, I kind of enjoyed them. That's it. Oh, there's also the punchy one. Oh yeah, Iron Fist. I didn't watch that one. Nah, we just call it the punchy one because I don't want to talk about it by name. Yeah, <laughs> but you liked it though, Defenders. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know a lot about that Marvel property that much. I mean, I know Daredevil, Elektra, Kingpin, like those. Right. Like those are in the zeitgeist, you know. But I didn't know a ton, and so it was fun to you know. I don't know. I I was just watching them because they were a series of superhero shows. And, you know, I was just kind of interested how they tried to do this and pull it off. And all those, they don't do the shows anymore. They kind of wrapped up the storylines and and they're not ongoing. But yeah, that was something that I just watched recently that I did kind of enjoy. Jessica Jones, still one of my favorite uh, villains in in the history of Marvel, which is played by David Tennant. It's really, really good. Oh, the yeah. Uh, Kilgrave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kilgrave. David Tennant is so good. He's just really good. That he's in. You know, Watchmen oh, also yeah. recently finished, and if you have HBO now and you enjoy the Watchmen series, this is, I think, my favorite show of the year. I'm four episodes in have got... See, I could watch the Daredevil stuff by myself. Right. But I have to wait for my girlfriend to finish Watchmen, so we haven't quite got there yet. Watchmen. But I like it a lot. It's, yeah. It's great. Uh, speaking of David Tennant, uh, Good Omen... Good oh, Omens that's right. Yeah, yeah, Good Omens. Was on uh, Amazon Prime, or is on Amazon Prime. Another series. I love that book, and another series that's uh, pretty good. Didn't know it was a book. Yeah. I'll check that out as well. Plenty of time to do that over the holidays, right? There you go, while you're traveling and whatnot. That's like three end steps in one. Look at the value. <laughs> uh, <laughs> How was our end steps this year? Year interview, best end step. This one. We this did three. one. Boom. <laughs> Killed it. Easy. Mic drop. We're out. <laughs> Before we go, though, we got to talk about our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman, they make a podcast about the modern format, pretty obvious, and all things competitive magic. They are talking about Pioneer a lot too now, right? Yeah, probably true. They do um, a really good show. Uh, Actually, this isn't in the notes, but this is going to be probably the final episode where we announce them as our sister podcast. Uh, We still love those guys, and we hope that their show does really, really well, but we're just making some changes around here, so the sister podcast thing, you probably won't hear us talk about them anymore, but that doesn't mean... They're a podcast now. That doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to them, though. Their their podcast is still really, really great. If you're interested in modern, pioneer, all that stuff, you can find them at the MMCast on Twitter or all of your podcast apps. Just type in the Masters of Modern, also on YouTube. And a big, big shout out to them. The Alex Kessler has been a part of my life now for seven, eight years. Yep. Glenn Jones, the original co-host. Uh, works at now Wizards. Works now. Wizards. We've been talking to him for just as long. Ben Bateman, I've known him for a long, long time as well. I've worked up with him on a bunch of different stuff. So yeah, big shout out to those guys as always. Yeah, keep listening to their show, even though we don't necessarily call them out every episode from now on. Yes. Uh, Do send some happy holiday kudos to our editing, graphics, and logistics team because the F- Command Zone family is growing and it is filled with amazing people like Craig Blanchett. Ashlyn Rose, Alfred Estaca, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, and Sam Waldo. Hopefully there's a there's a picture from the last game nights I hope they put on screen. Oh, right yeah, there good, good call. Because everybody's just so picture. cute. <laughs> All right, Indeed. and special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who does the Living Cards animations that start and begin every episode of this show, as well as sit behind us in the windows back there. You can find Jeffrey on Twitter, at Living Cards MTG. All right, that is it. This is the final paper toss of 2019. You get two final paper tosses. 
We made it. Very we did nice. It. Very nice. We did do it. Good job, Josh. High five. Good job, everybody out there. Thanks for sticking with us this year, and we will see you in 2020. Heck yeah. Bye-bye. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs>